0: Welcome to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Gangster is suitable for ages 12 and up and contains graphic violence. The Gangster is also available as a signed, numbered, limited edition hardcover while supplies last. To order, go to scottsigler.com store. Hello, junkies. Not much in the way of new news this week. I am back from vacation. It was very fun and quite relaxing. Only to find when I got back, all that work was waiting for me, and bum rushed me, and meth pigeon pulled a shiv, and it's well, it's all very not very pretty. I am seventy thousand words in a GFL book seven's second draft. That is roughly forty percent of the way there, and uh, this one's a bit of a slow build. With the character's dealing with all the stuff that happened in The Gangster, some of which you'll hear in a few minutes. Ah, the next couple episodes of The Gangster, well, all I can tell you is they ain't no fairy tale. Let me get you caught up on the story so far, and we're all going to go deep fry some flying rats. Previously on The Gangster Quentin convinced Chalita Sacacorn to join the plot against Greedock. But for that plot to work, Sakakorn must face the Splithead one-on-one. Negotiations
1: Barnes told her to come here, Shamacath, Masal said. Her name is Dr. Chalita Sacacorn. She says she is a physician at the facility where Barnes is being held. She says he promised her a substantial sum to deliver a message to you.
0: Greedock adjusted in his throne. A possible bit of begging from Barnes? What an unexpected delight. The day had been quite boring up until now. After the incident with Carol Tweedy, and then the one with Becca Montaigne, Greedock had cut back on allowing most sentients into the Kraken's building, let alone his chambers. Doing deals and intimidating underlings was best done in person, when there was no electronic record of the exchange. Doing it via holo, where he had to use implication rather than direct threat, just wasn't the same. She claims to work at the borehole, Greedock said. That is correct, Massal said. Greedok knew of the borehole, knew it was in Cretorocking space, but he didn't know exactly where it was. No one in his organization did. The prison's location was one of the galaxy's best-kept secrets. Barnes wasn't rich by Greedok's standards, but the human had significant wealth. Barnes shouldn't have had access to that wealth while in prison, but rich, resourceful prisoners often found a way to get things done. Guards were always susceptible to bribes. Greedock had been in prison in his younger days, and from prison he had orchestrated two assassinations and arranged to take over narcotic distribution chains on Beccanillet, Ionath's second-largest city. When there was a will and a wallet, there was a way. Interesting, Greedock said. Barnes is clever.
1: I suspect he wants me to intervene on his behalf. Did you ask this human how much Barnes paid her to make this visit? Of course I did, Shamikath. She would not tell me the amount.
0: Was that a hint of color on Masal's eye? There and gone, so fast Greedock hadn't made it out. Threads of green and, perhaps, saturated blue? Was Masal concerned about Barnes? Shamikath, the woman told me time is of the essence. She said Barnes is dying. Those words were both thrilling and infuriating. To know that insolent worm barns would soon be gone, dead because of Greedock's machinations, satisfying indeed. And yet, Greedock had dreamed of watching surgeons spend weeks cutting into barns, perhaps even months.
1: "'Is this human woman who she claims to be?' "'I am finding that out now, Shemakath. Vassal said. "'I am doing so quickly, but carefully, so as not to leave any tracks.' She said she knew we would check her identity and emphasize that if the Kretorockians find out she is here and not at the facility, you will, and I quote, miss out on the chance of a lifetime.
0: Intriguing. If the woman did work at the borehole, this was a chance to develop a contact at that secret facility. The bat sent dangerous and powerful sentience there. Most inmates never made it out, but some did. The borehole was a place for dissidents, political organizers, terrorists, and occasionally exceptionally accomplished gangsters. Having a connection to those people, knowing who might be released and when, that prospect alone was enough to hear what this visitor had to say.
1: Keep your background check as invisible as possible,
0: Credoc said.
1: We will respect her wishes, for now. Send her in.
0: Massal quietly slipped out of the chamber. From the pillar's base, Virak spoke.
2: I would rather you have no visitors, Shemekath. The last time you let a human woman in here, she— Silence!
1: I do not need your advice on this.
0: The warrior had a point, but Greedock had revised security after the run-in with Montaigne. Only one visitor at a time, thoroughly searched. There was nothing to fear. Moments later, the human woman entered. She stopped before the pillar, looked up at Greedock. ''Quentin Barnes sent me to see you,'' she said. ''He has asked for a chance to beg for your forgiveness.'' A surge of excitement. To know that Barnes was not dead, that was one thing. But to see him truly broken, to see the pieces finally fall into place, to see one's enemy know he had been beaten, that made life worth living.
1: ''Forgiveness,''
0: Greedock said.
1: ''Barnes is my employee and the star quarterback of my gridiron team.'' Why would he seek
0: forgiveness from me? He wouldn't tell me what he wanted to apologize for, the woman said. He told me that would put me at risk. Barnes had sent the woman, yet he was still trying to protect her, at least to some degree. That sounded like something Barnes would do. He had the mind of a leader, but the soft heart of a worker. Whatever slight Barnes imagines he did, he must come
1: to me himself, Redox said. I cannot to hear his words through a proxy.
0: Sackicorn took a step closer. By Quith standards, she was barely out of adolescence. By human standards, someone of her years was known as middle-aged. Barnes is dying, she said. He has severe damage to internal organs that is causing a systemic cascade effect. I'm afraid some of my fellow staffers at the facility I work for are, well, they're what you might call heavy-handed. Barnes's body has given up on him. He suffered at least three concussions as well. The pain has killed his spirit. I've seen this before, in other prisoners, more times than I care to count. Barnes has stopped fighting. He wants to die, just to make the pain end. Greedock thought of all the injuries Barnes had suffered, yet the human would do anything to stay on the field, including voluntarily severing his own finger.
1: He wants to die? That does not sound like the Barnes that I know.
0: The woman nodded. A lot of tough sentients come to the facility. They don't stay tough for long. I will say that Barnes lasted far longer than most. Her pulse rate and temperature, steady. Barnes had lasted longer than other inmates. That, at least, was consistent with what Gredock knew of his former quarterback. But this human doctor was right about one thing. When it comes to torture, every sentient breaks. Every sentient, except for a few select quith leaders. Greedock absently stroked the fur on his left pedipalp, caught himself doing it, fell still. That fur had been implanted, because the fur he'd been born with had been burned away with a blowtorch. That had happened shortly before the interrogator cut into Greedock's head. Years later... Greedock captured Hu-Ben Dink, the key boss of the Sixth Eye outfit who had hired that interrogator. Greedock kept Hu-Ben alive for years, steadily tracking down every single one of his offspring. hu had been forced to watch as Greedock tortured them to death, slowly, one at a time. Before Greedock finally allowed Hu-Ben to die, the key knew that his genetic line had been forever wiped from the face of history. Greedock had eventually gone to jail for that. A sentence of six standard years. Worth every minute, a bargain at twice the price. Under the agony of a blowtorch, and then electrodes applied directly to his brain, Greedock had stayed strong. Barnes had broken. Massive, strong, tough Barnes. And so badly that he was ready to beg for the pain to end. It was beyond delicious. To think that if Barnes had just done what he'd been told to do, none of this would have happened. The human had brought it on himself.
3: In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe— or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
4: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at soaring landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.
1: You say Barnes is dying. How much time does he have left? A
0: few days, the woman said. To be honest, he might be dead already. For over a century, Greedock had worked tirelessly to recognize his own emotions, for recognition is the first step to control, then fully suppress, those emotions. At the thought of Barnes only having a day or two left to live, Greedock didn't feel elation or satisfaction. He felt anxiety. No one had insulted Greedock more than Quentin Barnes. No one had challenged Greedock more than Quentin Barnes. That Barnes might die without a face-to-face acknowledgment of Greedock's superiority? That would make victory far less satisfying.
1: If he only has days left,
0: why does he wish to see me? He wants your forgiveness so that you don't go after his family, Sackicorn said. Also consistent with Barnes's sharp mind and soft heart.
1: It is most unfortunate that he is having difficulty, Greedock said. Since his health is compromised... Is there a chance he'll be released?
0: The woman shook her head. I don't know exactly what he's done, but the rumor is that his church has become too massive. The Ministry of Religion will never let him go. Barnes will die in prison. He's asking you to come to him. That caught Greedock off guard. I did not think a facility of that
1: type would allow visitors.
0: It's rare and difficult, Sackcorn said, but I can arrange it. Greedock studied the human. He could not get a read on her emotions. Was she doing this for money only, or did she care for Barnes? So many sentients did, which remained inexplicable. If you want to see Barnes, you need to pay me, Cacacorn said. I can get you into the facility, but I can't hide the fact that you were there. I'll be fired. Or worse, I'll need to fade away, and for that I need fade away money. And there it was the motivator that drove so many smart people to do so many stupid things. Greed.
1: Why would I pay you? Perhaps you are unaware of my influence. If I wanted to see Barnes, I would see Barnes.
0: The woman laughed. I doubt that. The Kretorakian government won't even admit the facility exists. And you think they would let you go visit? Visit an enemy of the state? I'll assume that was your opening gambit in this negotiation. Funny. Barnes told me how brilliant you are. I don't see it. Such arrogance. Greedock recognized his irritation, controlled it. The woman clearly thought she was more intelligent than he was. Sackacorn was already walking on very thin ice.
1: I am intrigued,
0: Greedock said. How much would this excursion cost me? To see your star quarterback before he kicks the bucket, I want two million. Her heart rate increased slightly. She was arrogant, yes, but she knew she had taken a risk coming here. This was the moment where she would find out if her risk paid off. Greedock didn't answer her right away. He let her wait in silence. He stared at her, letting the moment grow increasingly awkward. Messal quietly entered the chamber. Pardon the intrusion, Shamakath, but our visitor is who she claims to be.
1: Dr. Sackicorn is a physician at the unnamed facility known to some
0: as the Borehole. The human spun on the worker. I told you not to look me up, you idiot. If they realize I'm here, I— No one will know, Massal said, with just enough volume and sharpness to make the woman stop talking.
1: I assure you, my methods are sound. Your employers will not know where you are, nor will any rocking agency— The Most Honorable Greedock the Splithead demands the proper treatment and respect of his guests, announced or otherwise.
0: Massal's information had rattled her. Badly. My assistant is quite skilled at these things, Greedock said. Your secret is safe with us, Dr. Sackacorn. Massal, you may go. The worker slipped out of the chamber as quietly as he'd slipped in. Sackacorn was telling the truth after all at least about her identity. She was a physician at the prison. Had she actually seen Barnes, or was this a desperate grab for money? Her very presence in this chamber seemed to indicate that she had seen Barnes, for she'd known exactly where to go, exactly who to ask for, and exactly what to say to gain an immediate audience. Greedock felt excitement building. He had to keep his emotions under control.
1: I am delighted that you are who you claim to be, he said. Although I would think that someone in your position would be concerned that sneaking about in this way could result in an unfortunate ending.
0: The woman's heart rate spiked. Then she did something that earned Greedock's instant admiration. She closed her eyes, forced her anxiety away. Her heart rate returned to normal. Almost. You're threatening me, she said. Is that what you think? She smiled. I'm what you might call bulletproof on this one. If I don't show up for work tomorrow, details of my trip here will be automatically transmitted to the Empire Bureau of Species Interaction. Details that include information about how you know the location of the facility and we're planning Barnes's escape. Hurt me, kill me, try to turn me in, and you'll have the EBSI knocking on your door, asking a lot of questions that you won't have answers to. So don't bother making threats, because I know you're too smart to follow through. Without me, you will never see Barnes. So either you pay me, or you let me walk out of here. Greedock still couldn't sense that the woman was lying. She was better than most humans at hiding her emotions. An uncommon ability for the species, but not that rare.
1: You may go at any time, Greedock said. If you wish to leave now, you have my permission
0: he sensed her genuine surprise. You, you want me to leave? If her story was true, Greedok would have paid five million, even ten million. Such trivial sums were nothing compared to the chance to see his greatest foe grovel and beg. But this wasn't about the number, it was about the principle. Never in his life had he accepted a first offer. No matter how grand the prize was, he would not start now.
1: I find your demand for two million to be unpalatable.
0: The human stood there, blinking. She had no idea what to do next. But you're rich, she said. I researched you. You're worth billions. For you, two million is a meaningless
1: amount of money. Doctor, the rich become so because they know there is no such thing as a meaningless amount of money.
0: He leaned back in his throne, waited for her to figure it out. Uh, okay, how about, how about 1.5 million? She dropped the price far more than he'd expected. How low could he get her to go? I could stand
1: apart with a hundred thousand, he said. A suitable amount for your time and trouble. She sneered. I didn't come here so you could lowball me. I'll go to 1.25. Two hundred thousand, Greedock said, because I'm feeling generous.
0: The sneer became a snarl. You cheap bastard! Are you trying to tell me one of the richest sentients in the galaxy won't even offer up one lousy million? Greedock sat forward. One million it is, he said, and pressed the button on his chair that summoned Missal. The worker appeared as if out of nowhere. Missal, Greedock said,
1: our guest and I have negotiated a deal. Alert the crew of the little ruler that she and I will be taking
0: a trip together. The woman looked from Greedock to Massal to Greedock again.
1: What? But we're still negotiating. The negotiation is completed, Greedock said. You offered one million, I accepted.
0: That rattled the woman further. Sacacorn seemed lost, out of her element. Misal slowly approached, spoke quietly to her. To change the terms now
1: would be an insult to his magnificence. I would advise you accept the deal. One million is a significant sum, particularly compared to what might happen if you do not accept it. She shook her head. People know where I am. They do now,
0: Massal said.
1: But will they always know where you are? I have seen accidents occur many years after a deal falls apart. While I am a stranger to you, I urge you to heed my counsel.
0: Gredok savored the show. Massal had only just met the woman and already the worker cared whether she lived or died. He was giving her honest advice, based on decades of personal experience. Would she take him at his word? Sackacorn's hands balled into fists. Fine. One million it is. Miss All will see you out, Credoc said. Give him the
1: details of our visit to your place of work. Take care to be highly specific. If anything goes wrong with this visit, remember that you will be traveling with me. I will hold you, and only you, responsible for any problems.
0: The woman's eyes widened, as if she hadn't considered the ramifications of something going wrong. This way, Nassau said. The two left the chamber. Greedock relaxed into his throne. His satisfaction at negotiating a better deal and his elation at the demise of Barnes quickly faded. Did this all seem a bit too... convenient? The borehole wasn't as secret as the Kradarachians thought it to be. Greedak had spoken to sentients who had been imprisoned there. They didn't know where it was, but they had shared what went on there. It was the galaxy's deepest, darkest hole. And yet this human would simply let him in?
1: Vyrak, what do you think of this opportunity?
0: The hulking warrior stepped out of the shadows.
2: You frequently tell me not to think, Shemakath, and— more frequently, not to speak.
0: The overly-muscled idiot never seemed to know the right time to do anything. Vyrak's thoughts on business dealings were irrelevant, but when it came to traps, to setups, the warrior's insights were strong. This time I want your opinion. Give it to me now.
2: You should stay here, Vyrak said. You were already surprised by Montaigne at the Key Newfang's facility. If Barnes is able to send this doctor, we do not know if he's been able to make contact with Montaigne or with others. If Barnes dies, he dies. You do not need to be there for it. Travel always puts you at greater risk.
0: That was true, but a leader couldn't sit behind castle walls forever. Sometimes, one had to make a statement. If Greedock made this trip, he would visit a place that most sentients didn't even know existed. That would help repair his damaged reputation, as would being there to hear Quentin Barnes beg. Word would spread. Greedock would see to it. We are going, he said. Vyrak showed no surprise at this.
2: It is a rocking governmental facility,
0: the warrior said.
2: You will not be able to take your normal complement of bodyguards, three at the most, me, Gristlehead, and Ruangnip.
1: Not to walk on Reed?
2: The Kretorakins will not allow weapons, Shamakath. Without a blade, Reed is not a skilled combatant. If there is a fight, it will be hand-to-hand. For this scenario, Shamakath, I believe you should show up with as much mass as possible.
0: Gristlehead had proven her loyalty, and, when it came to protecting Greedock at least, she seemed to care little for her own safety. Rueng was mean— Borderline psychotic, large even by heavy-key standards. Yes, size was always an intimidating factor. Perhaps this did seem a little too convenient, but the borehole was still a Kretorakian prison. It was doubtful Barnes could find a way to get the upper hand. To hear that worm beg. To see him crawl.
1: Notify Gristlehead and Rueing, Greedock said. We will leave immediately.
0: You have been listening to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and narrated by Scott Ziegler. Follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter, where he is at Scott Ziegler, one word, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Scott Ziegler. For more information on the Galactic Football League series and for more free audiobook podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. The Gangster was directed by A. Sigler engineered by Steve Rickiberg, copyright 2020, Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon.